Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar magazine. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. Alain Mabancou has been called the enfant terrible of the francophone literary world, which was reason enough for me to want to talk to him. He's a Congolese essayist, novelist, and poet with two Booker Prize nominations and a string of darkly funny books to his name. His most recent novel, Black Moses, came out in the States in 2018. And his second novel, Broken Glass, was just re-released in paperback by Soft Skull Press. Broken Glass is the story of a man, also called Broken Glass, who used to be a teacher, but now spends all his days drinking at the bar Credit Gone West in Toisson, a town in Congo, Brazzaville, also known as the Republic of the Congo. It's a novel that opens a lot of doors in terms of talking about the relationship between fiction and life, different kinds of fiction, but also what it means to be an African or a Congolese or a French writer. Alain Mabancou joins us from UCLA, where he's taught since 2006, to talk about his work. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Eh? I wanted to start with Broken Glass, just to give listeners a sense of your writing if they haven't read you already. So on the very first page of the novel, Stubborn Snail, who is the owner of the bar Credit Gone West, hands our narrator Broken Glass a notebook and tells him to write a book because, quote, the day when grandmothers reminisced from their deathbeds was gone now. This is the age of the written word. That's all that's left. The spoken words, just black smoke, wild cat's piss. But as that sentence shows, there is a super strong voice on the page and also absolutely no periods. So I was wondering where you'd fit the story. Would you fit it into an oral tradition or a written tradition or somewhere in between? I think that uh, when I wrote the book, I was uh, targeting to mix the oral literature and the written literature. Usually they say that in Africa, um, we have uh, a kind of uh, oral tradition, whatever we're going to say, uh, doesn't need to be written. We have the faith uh, because you said something, it's okay. And uh, as a matter of fact, this book is about uh, like uh, praising also the written tradition. It's also a continent uh, in which we can have another way of uh, describing things. It's going to be written. It's going to be told. But uh, saying only that Africa is uh, 
continent in which we are fed by oral tradition, it's uh, short. I think that we have also the written literature, and that's why Broken Glass uh, was talking about that in that book. So how do you develop the voices of your narrators? Did Broken Glass... Did his voice spring fully formed from your skull or were there stages in his development? I mean, I can't imagine him ever not being a drunk, but maybe at some point he was less of a scoundrel. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you see, it's a novel written uh, without a full stop, just commas here and there. I was thinking about someone who is drinking every day, day in and day out. And when you are drunk, you don't think about punctuation. You have just to talk. You have just to uh, tell your story. And I tried to put it like... Uh, a kind of symphony in which uh, the guy is talking and talking and talking. But when you go deep, you're going to see that he's talking about literature, he's talking about film, he's talking about uh, uh, culture, he's talking about uh, uh, the life of every day. So the voice in uh, that novel is like the voice of the post-colonial subjects, someone who had the culture between France and Africa, Europe and Africa, and is trying like to mix everything in. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my next question. It's the book is so <laughs> dense with literary references. You've got the Bible and yeah. classics and folktales and Shakespeare. It's like the narrator doesn't even discriminate between what counts yeah. as the canon. Is it a commentary on the relationships between languages in the Congo or even between the country and its former colonizer, France, and the rest of the world? I think the, the book is, uh, is touching a word literature because at the same time you can have books, a reference coming from France, from uh, Western civilization, but I have also like uh, quoted or... Uh, try to make reference to uh, Asian writer like uh, Kenzaburo Owe, uh, like Kawabata from Japan, Russia back then with Boris Pasternak. The list goes on and on. I wanted to have uh, a huge conversation. I wanted to show that even if you are writing from Africa, something which is occurring in a small bar with like poor characters in like uh, this kind of poor country, you can always embrace the world. You can go from the small space to the biggest one. You can reach the world through literature. So I wanted to express uh, uh, with uh, Broken Glass that literature uh, doesn't depend on where you come from. It depends on where do you want to go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of reflected in your own life story because you're a Congolese writer who moved to France at 22 and you've now taught in Los Angeles since 2006. Mm. So how do you see the many places that you've lived and the many identities that you've worn influencing your work? I think that uh, the many places I've visited or the many places I've stayed um, helped me uh, becoming the writer I am today. I was born in Africa, in Congo Brazzaville, uh, speaking French over there. I went to school over there, and then I went to France uh, for 
the graduate school. Uh, I stayed in France for like uh, 17 years before moving to the United States to teach French. So I can like uh, follow uh, this journey uh, in my books, seeing that uh, most of my, of my book have been written in the United States of America, but in French. That's a very good experience when you are living in a country. It's not your native language, but you are writing in another language. You're going to be translated later, but you're writing in another language that gives you like the real distance in order to understand things. Do you feel like you're writing against a certain tradition of African literature? I mean, how do you feel about your place in the literary constellation? Do you feel boxed in by the categories African writer, Francophone writer, Congolese writer, novelist? Mm. Yeah, but, but at, uh, at the beginning, I was thinking that uh, I, wa- I was writing against some things. But I think that uh, nowadays I'm writing with something. I'm writing with my African background. I'm writing with my migrant background. And uh, at the same time, I don't want people like to categorize me like uh, just an African writer because I, I can do more than being just an African writer because African writers... Uh, African writer is a term defined by people who have an idea of what should African writer re, uh, write. So I don't want to be defined. I, w- I want to like uh, create my own way of thinking. And therefore, I'm an African, yes, a writer who embraces the world. Yeah. I mean, what you said about African writer and African literature being defined by other people is so true because a lot of the African literature that gets translated into English or marketed in the States tends to be like very serious or very dark or about poor people. And there have always been exceptions, um, especially in recent times with um, like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and your work. Um, But like my first introduction to the entire canon of a continent was the book The River Between by Ningugi wa Thiongo. And I don't think there was a single joke in it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that, uh, yes, African African literature is diverse. Uh, Like uh, you can have a writer coming from... uh, uh, Nigeria, we talk about Simamanda Ngozi Adishi, but we can talk uh, as well about uh, Teju Kol. Uh, we are all African, but we have a lot of differences because of uh, the culture in Nigeria is maybe different from the culture in the Congo, the where you are living, or if you are writing uh, uh, close to the the sea, ocean, or close to the bush, or in the desert, it creates something special on you. And that's why I think that we cannot uh, uh, define who is an African writer. Do we gonna just define an African writer because he's from Africa, mainly black, and uh, dealing with uh, African issues? Do we gonna consider like an African living in the United States writing novels? 
is he an African writer or a global writer? Or maybe it's better just to say he is a writer coming from Africa. And then he can write about whatever he wants to write. Do you think that the books coming from Africa or being written, as you say, by writers writing about Africa has gotten better recently? Do you think that African writers are getting their due finally after, you know, being sort of yeah. lumped together? Yeah, I think that uh, it's it's also the world. The world is changing. We are in the era where population of people are going here and there. We, we want to get to know more each other. So Africa is not that dark continent, like Conrad said. It's not like uh, the end of the world. We are finding, finally, that uh, our civilization needs African cultures. And therefore, the literature of today needs to include African vision of the world. So if we are getting more and more audience, it's just also because for a long time people didn't take care of what we've been talking about. They didn't take care of what we are being uh, through. They were, they were just considering us like uh, the African, like described in the book back then, uh, living in the poverty in, in the continent in the dictatorship and so on and so on. So more and more we need to know what Africa means. And in order to know that, we need to go back to reading the novels. Do you think that part of the way that you sort of combat that idea of like the dark heart of Africa is through humor? Because your books are are so, so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame Conrad for writing The Heart of Darkness. At least uh, I understood how the European was like uh, describing Africa. But at the same time, we know that uh, we needed African voices in order to express what is Africa. We needed to read not only the tourists or the colonizers or the Western population going over there, we needed to listen to the local. We needed to listen to the Africans. And I think that uh, African literature of today has the task of spreading the new image of Africa, which is diverse, which is in contact with the world, which is in contact with the uh, world literature. So how do you see humor doing that? You said the comedy, yeah? Yeah, 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 the jokes, the laughter. I mean, that's also really dark yeah. humor, but... <laughs> the, 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 I th yeah, I think that uh, in all my book, uh, I use the comedy. It's a kind of humor. I don't, like, uh, calculate it before in advance in order to put it here and there. But it came with my own culture because I was raised uh, with the idea that... Uh, even if you are suffering, you don't need to uh, express what you are going through. You have just to 
show to the people that you are happy, even if what you are saying is very sad, it's about your life. So all my characters in Broken Glass looks uh, like they have uh, broken lives, but at the same time they feel better in their world. They have the power to decide whatever they want to do, and they have the power to like, not follow what is considered like norms in the society. So uh, I hope that I'm going to keep this kind of comedy, this kind of humor, uh, in order to make uh, the reader feel comfortable. At the same time, you are learning what is happening in Africa. So my novel is about how to find a laugh in the middle of a continent which is supposed to be broken. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, of distance, as you mentioned earlier, it seems like a lot of the heart of Broken Glass is about the lives of others, about painting pictures of other people, the other patrons of this bar. Um, and they're really told in their voices. And I can't help but read it as some kind of commentary on how we construct our identities. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Sometimes our literature is a literature in which you have to testify. So depicting the lives of the other is very important for me because so far when you were reading African literature, it was always about a big engagement. We want Africa free. We want that. We want that. But sometimes you have to describe how people are living and what they're doing. So like writing the small human stories of individual characters is sort of like writing the small individual stories of African countries instead of a whole continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, by uh, telling the story of individual person going to make you reach the story of Africa. So far, we've been like uh, taught about uh, the history of Africa. What about the history of the people living inside? Individual history, not taking them like a global uh, image, but uh, going to the individual troubles in order to express what is Africa nowadays. So who are your favorite African writers who are doing that now? I'm, I'm especially interested in... Um in your favorite comic African writers or just your favorite comedies in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, among the African writers I like is uh, Amos Tutuola. Uh, when I read uh, The Palm Wine Drinker, I was like uh, stunned to see that you can laugh from the beginning to the end of the novel. At the same time, you are learning uh, what is in Africa, what are the tradition, what is the comedy. Uh, so Tutuola, Amos Tutuola was the, the, the writer from Nigeria who amazed me with uh, that book. And I have a lot of like in France, uh, I have uh, one called Louis Ferdinand Céline uh, uh, to describe. Uh, he, he wrote about Africa all, uh, uh, in one of his novels, a part of Africa in that novel. And uh, mainly I read a lot of 
Latin American writers such as Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Mario Vargallosa, and Horacio Quiroga. Those are the writers uh, who accompany me, who are with me day in and day out. They are like my spirits when I'm writing. We've got links to Alain Mabancou's novel, Broken Glass, and that list of his favorite writers on our episode page, including a link to the full text of Amos Tutuola's novel, The Palm Wine Drinkard. And in digging it up, I stumbled upon the critical reception to that book, which really illustrates a lot of what we were just talking about in terms of how African literature has been imagined both by the West and by Africans themselves over the past century. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.